Hey folks, Andy Patton here, joined today by KREM's Brenna Green. Brenna and I are going to talk Gonzaga basketball as both the men and women prepare for the WCC tournament this week, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to take you through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by Run Your Pool. March Madness is here and Run Your Pool has a better way to create your bracket. RunYourPool.com is the premier sports pool hosting service. All right, I am thrilled today to be joined by Brenna. Brenna, it has been way too long since I've had you on the podcast. For those of you who don't know, Brenna is the sports director at KREM in Spokane, Gonzaga alum. Brenna, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this is Tuesday, so as we're recording this on a Tuesday, so uh, as I said to you before we started recording here, my life ends effectively tomorrow for the next month, so I'm glad we were able to sneak this in before the world gets crazy. State tournaments start tomorrow, so it's going to be a crazy time here. No, I'm, I'm glad we snuck it in, too. You know, I was looking at the schedule, and I had such a routine every week for the entire WCC season of like, this is what show on Monday looks like. This is what Tuesday's show looks like. And then I was looking at the calendar and I was like, I need to find some stuff to do this week before uh, uh, before Gonzaga plays again, because it's going to be a couple of days. So this turned out perfect. I figured I would have to catch you early in the week if I was going to catch you at all. And I'm, I'm glad we made it, found a way to make it work. Absolutely. All right. So yeah, busy part of the year, uh, obviously more than just uh, men's basketball and women's basketball for the college side. I know you got a lot of other stuff going on in the inland Northwest, but one of the things I was noticing when I was kind of looking at a lot of the brackets is that uh, there's going to be, it looks like between one or potentially four <laughs> different teams from the inland Northwest making the NCAA tournament this year. We got obviously Gonzaga's men's team, which is the only lock for the NCAA tournament, but we got two teams at Washington state that seem like they have at least a chance to make the tournament, of course, Gonzaga women's team, who we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, who have a chance as well. Uh, how's, how's that grind been for you, kind of covering college basketball this year with a lot of teams kind of right in that mix? Well, uh, unfortunately, WSU has kind of played their way out of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't see a world in which they make it unless they win their tournament, which would yeah. be uh which would be a huge, huge upset. That would be an Oregon State level of upset last year. Later on. <laughs> um, so that is, so now we're down to three, which actually last year we had four teams in the mm -hmm. NCAA tournament, which was craziness because the yeah. Eastern men also yeah. made it. Right. Um, so, you know, three is just like easy peasy. <laughs> um, you know, and, and the Gonzaga women, most likely are going to end up playing on that Tuesday uh, mm -hmm. if they make it as, as one of those first uh, one of those the first four. Yeah. Um. So you know we'll we'll see how it goes from there. But um. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. It's there's it's this region is never one where there's just one team that goes. We at <laughs> least have two consistently. No, it keep, keeps things interesting, I suppose, at least. Uh, you mentioned uh, before we started recording that you were heading to Vegas in a couple of days. Uh, I, you know, how, how are you feeling about that? Are you excited for the conference tournament? I feel like it's uh, 
the, at least on the men's side, that's a pretty exciting conference tournament this year. More intrigue, at least, uh, probably not at the very top, but at least more intrigue in the middle than I can remember there being in this tournament in a really long time, if ever. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited to kind of keep tabs on Saturday and see mm. what happens and <laughs> and who, uh, you know, it, it seems like, yeah, well, maybe not. Maybe who Gonzaga is playing isn't exactly what locked up. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that's going to be really interesting because normally it's it's one of those things where you're like, okay, I, I know who's going to win this matchup on Saturday, but this time mm -hmm. around it's not as clear. Uh, so that's going to be really interesting to watch. And um, I'm excited to, you know, peep my head out after the Gonzaga game and see what's going on with that second semifinal. Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be, that's going to be a good time to kind of, you know, just we, Gonzaga plays at six and then the second semifinal, I believe, is at eight. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we were able to kind of, you know, sneak our head out and see what's going on towards the end of that that second game. So um, that'll be a lot of, lot of fun to kind of take in and, and see how that goes. Yeah, I, I'm i probably going to record right after the game on Monday, but I feel like I'm going to need to find a way to get a second monitor in my office just so I can keep my eyes on that second game as it's going on uh, just to get a better sense of, of how things are going because this is I, it's hard to remember the last time that there was multiple teams Gonzaga could end up playing in the championship you know in past years there's always a chance that it wouldn't be St. Mary's or BYU but it was never a super reasonable chance and this year like it wouldn't stun me I, I have to look at how the brackets laid out but it wouldn't stun me if it was somebody else you know, if, if Santa Clara or San Francisco or somebody kind of snuck in there, there's just been so many, so many talented teams and so many teams that are kind of good enough to make a run, even though uh, they maybe don't, they're now in the top three in the standings. And it's, it makes it a lot more fun in my mind, a little bit more stressful for people who are in the media world, but a little bit more fun as well. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, some people, uh, the W for whatever reason, mm -hmm. this year of all years, the WCC bracket really mm -hmm. caught fire on Twitter <laughs> the other day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll thank uh, the Sickos Committee for college yeah. basketball because they were redoing everyone's brackets like the WC yeah. tournament. Yeah. Yeah, they played a role. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, this tournament's a really, it's a really interesting one. It's it's mm -hmm. really different in, its, in how it's constructed compared to uh, almost every other yeah. conference tournament. Um, which, you know, a lot of time lends itself to going chalk, but this year it, it might not. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. Well, it, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because I thought it was funny too. And I think like the, so many of the people, and we know that the general population has issues with Gonzaga that are often uh, not founded in, in reality. I guess that's the politest way we'll put that. But um, for people who like scream and yell a lot about how Gonzaga plays Pacific and Pepperdine, now all of a sudden they like want Gonzaga to play Pacific and Pepperdine. It's just confusing. I don't understand what they're mad about. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, this has been going on for like five years, guys. Like, welcome to the party. Like, yeah. this bracket's been set up like this forever. Uh, and I mean, there was a lot of reasons why it got set up like like this. Mostly because yeah. Mark Few was very unhappy with yeah. the with the three game setup, and he made that very clear. Yeah. And you know, that was one of Gonzaga's tenants for staying in the WCC. So this, mm -hmm. you know, uh. 
Y'all could have complained about this a few years ago if you wanted to. Like yeah. at this point, yeah. it's not it's not changing. I am interested to see what they do with that setup once BYU leaves after next season. But yeah. um, you know, obviously we're we're a ways away from having to have that figured out right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, Brenna, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, you were one of few people who got the opportunity to be in the kennel last year. Uh, and kind of covering events during COVID without fans in the arena. And then now this year, obviously, fans are back. Uh, There was certainly some, uh, we we don't need to get too far into the weeds, but some challenges with fans being back in the the arena, specifically in the kennel because of mask mandates and things like that. But uh, I'm just curious, what was the atmosphere like for people who didn't get to go to games this year? Uh, and we know that the crowd noise is not always accurate listening to the games or watching the games on TV. I'm curious, uh, did you feel like it was there was a lot more energy? Did it was it just nice to have fans back or kind of what was the vibe like uh, now that fans could finally be back in the arena? First of all, I want to apologize if anybody heard my dryer buzzer go off. I'm a bad podcast guest. Uh, <laughs> apologies. Um, yeah, I think, first of all, the kennel this year was in terms of the kennel club in particular was much more lively than in years past. Um, I I definitely felt a sense from the students that this experience was so much more appreciated Mm -hmm. than in years before. And, and by the way, you know, I'm someone who stood up for the kennel club and said, Hey, like people who are expecting these kids to be at every single game, I'm sorry, school's harder at Gonzaga than when you went there. Like, yeah, I hate to yeah. break that to you, but I, that's the number one reason why all these kids are there. And so a lot of times mm-hmm. I didn't go to a bunch of the lower level games because I had other stuff I needed to get done. Sure. I needed to be locked up in the broadcasting studio until 4 a.m., okay? Right. Thanks, Dan Garrity. Yeah, don't <laughs> out. So, like, it, it all worked out, though. Apparently that hard work actually paid paid off. Um, So... But that, that's been really cool to see, just the energy in the kennel, even for games that aren't that big of a deal, um, mm-hmm. has definitely been uh, more pronounced this year. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people this year are really savoring every moment um, because of what happened last year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. <laughs> like, I'm glad to hear that because uh, I, I can't imagine if I'd lost – you know, even early in my collegiate career, you know, I didn't go to every single game either. I didn't I don't think I went to every single game until my senior year, uh, but I would have been crushed if I lost a full year's worth of games to go to. And obviously, when I was in college and when you were there, uh, they they weren't, you know, undefeated. <laughs> they, didn't, no. they were as good as last year's team was. That was, you know, the best program, the best year the school has ever put together. So to not be able to go to those games would have been tragic. So I'm glad to hear that it feels like things are, are, are picking back up and hopefully that momentum will carry uh, beyond this season as well. One thing that I really want to talk to you about as well, too, is the the, the other big change in college sports outside of just uh, fans being back in the arena, but of course the new NIL rules and how that has kind of impacted college basketball, students being able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. Uh, we just saw Julian Strother get a new deal uh, as well, which is huge. You know, he, he I think he had a couple other ones, but this was a big announced one. Obviously, Drew Timmy's had a handful of them as well. I'm curious just if as somebody who interacts with the athletes, uh, you know, in press conferences and uh, individually, if you've seen kind of a difference because of that, if it's something that comes up a lot in conversation or just kind of your thoughts on, on how that has impacted the game this year. You know, it was funny at the beginning of the year because, um, you know, Gonzaga now has a like a water deal. Mm-hmm. And so, or like a drink deal. And so they had those drinks, they had those drinks up on the podium for every yeah. press conference. Sure. And, uh, and when Chad Holmgren first got up there, he took them off. 
<laughs> um, and I don't, I, he hasn't done it since. And everyone was like, uh, is this like a sign of like a deal with Gatorade coming? Like, I don't know. But uh, obviously it didn't lead to anything. But that was kind of like a moment where you're like, okay, that's different. Um, yeah. I, I actually wasn't there for that. I just, somebody told me about it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, uh, you know, there isn't a lot of differences in terms of like when we're interacting with them after games or anything yeah. like that. I mean, that stuff just doesn't really come up in those settings. Mm-hmm. What is honestly, what is really different for us is mm-hmm. that, you know, if they have one of these NIL events, we don't necessarily need to go through Gonzaga Athletics to go talk to these kids. Oh, there you go. So that's something that's really different from my end. So like mm-hmm. a lot of people saw that soundbite with yeah. Drew Timmy saying, mm-hmm. I can swear on this podcast, right? Yes. Yes. All right. Drew Timmy saying shit happens after the St. Mary's game. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, like we saw you know, that that was from an NIL event mm-hmm. at Northern Quest. Yeah. Um, and, and so that is a situation where, you know, we wouldn't have been able to talk to those athletes normally mm-hmm. during that time. But because they had that NIL event, we, we were able to talk to him and Julian Strother and, and Sierra mm-hmm. Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that's a little bit different mm-hmm. um, and is honestly like really nice, especially since, you know, we're still not back to 100 percent normal in terms of media access at Gonzaga right. because it used to be that you could go into the locker room after games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyways, uh, they they haven't let us do that yet, understandably, uh, with, mm-hmm. you know, Omicron and everything like that. So uh, anyways, they, you know, that that's just kind of another opportunity that we're able to talk to them because right now we only get to talk to two, uh, to two players after every game. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and that's something that's so, so different than what, what we're used to. Um, so, you know, that's kind of nice. Like I was able back in November, Drew Timmy did a boost bubble event. And so I was mm-hmm. able to go to that and do a story on that, which was pretty cool. And that's something that we would have never seen before, yeah. obviously. So, um, and like, yeah, the, the people that went and met him were so excited to meet him. And oh, I just I thought that was really, really cool. Um, so yeah, so that's, that is one thing that in terms of my perspective, that's a little bit different is mm-hmm. that, you know, like. We got to like Nolan Hickman uh, last night had an event. And so we went to that and talked to him about his charity and stuff like that. And, you know, that stuff may come up in the locker room, mm-hmm. but since we don't have that right now, yeah, this is really our only avenue. Absolutely. No, that's great. I, I want to talk more about this men's basketball team. We're going to talk about Nolan Hickman uh, and Chad Holmgren a little bit in the second segment. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to tell you all about Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Bill Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bill Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, and coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. 
That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton with Locked on Zags. Thank you again to those of you who have made Locked on Zags your first listen of the day. Make sure to check out the Locked on Bracket Breakdown on March 14th, right here on the Locked on Zags podcast feed and YouTube channel. College basketball expert Chris Gordy and myself and betting expert Lee Sterling are all going to be here to give in-depth breakdowns on every matchup for the NCAA tournament. All right, Brenna, I'm excited to get into talking about this men's basketball team. Obviously, a phenomenal season. The main thing that I wanted to talk about is kind of this conversation that I've seen creep up a lot, not just nationally, but amongst Gonzaga fans as well, kind of comparing last year's team to this year's team. Obviously, at this point last year, Gonzaga did not have any losses. This year's team has three losses. That's a pretty notable difference. But I'm curious kind of your thoughts, just having seen a lot of both of these teams, kind of differences and similarities between these two teams as we head in March. It's really interesting because the first thing that sticks out to me is just personality-wise, they're a little bit different. Yeah. Um, like, and that's, you know, that's the thing that just sticks out to me the most because we, we get to talk to them after every game. This team is right. definitely more um, understated than last year's team in terms of their mm-hmm. personality. They're a little bit more like smooth operators. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last year's team was a little bit more like, I don't know. It was just, it was, there was just a little bit. I, I don't, I don't want to say that there's, there's not joy on this year's team. Cause I don't think yeah. that at all. But I think mm-hmm. the joy was just a little bit more pronounced, whereas this year's team is more like, yeah, we got this. We got yeah. this. You know what yeah. I mean? And they just kind of flow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that kind of sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously you still have like Drew Timmy and Julian Strother, but mm-hmm. everybody else is is more of a, a smooth guy, uh, mm-hmm. which, like I said, is not a bad thing. I think right. it's it's a, it's it's more of like a cool and calm under pressure sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was listening to your podcast uh, mm-hmm. today, so on Tuesday, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously, defensively, this team is light years better. Yeah, uh, and that is because of our friend Chet Holmgren. Yes. Um, and not one hundred percent, but yeah, a lot of it is because of him. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, that's that's something. Um, a little bit more depth in the front court this year than last year probably Mm -hmm. um i will say something that is starting to concern me as i'm feeling like the bench is becoming similar to last year's bench that is something i have been vocal about and i do not like so Mm -hmm. um yeah that we can we'll probably get more into that at some point but that that is something that that can Yeah, I mean, I I might might as well start there because that's, for me, like after Saturday's game, you know, I was going through Mailbag Monday and I was kind of, I I try to stay relatively positive and I'm not a doomsday person and certainly a loss to a very good St. Mary's team on senior night on the road is far from the worst thing. And I hope most Gonzaga fans uh, understand that. But if I was going to pinpoint, pinpoint something that I'm legitimately concerned about heading into March, it would be the bench. And there's, I mean, it's, pretty glaringly obvious why. I believe that in the last three games, the bench has scored 10 points and seven of them were from Hunter Salas against San Francisco. 
So that's not good. <laughs> There's no other way to look at it. Anton Watson has not played well the last few games. Nolan Hickman has struggled significantly the last few games as well. And I know that Mark Few talked a lot early in the year about how young and how inexperienced this team was, and that kind of helped explain some of their struggles early in the year, uh, particularly the Alabama game and the, the Tarleton State game, obviously, the two, two of Gonzaga's biggest challenges. Um, but now, you know, we, we should be passing that stuff and I think you know some of it is probably just fatigue particularly for the freshmen I can't imagine going a high school season to this kind of season is is uh, is a lot uh, and and while Chet Holmgren has seemed to adjust pretty well it's a bit more understandable that some of the other freshmen might might be struggling with that a little bit but at the end of the day if this team's depth doesn't step up in March there's going to be some problems and, and that's something that I'm I'm legitimately worried about um you have obviously got an opportunity to chat with Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman, and obviously we know Nolan is a phenomenal kid with his charity and everything like that. I'm curious. Uh, we're going to talk about Chet Holmgren in a minute because he's obviously such an exciting player, but I'm curious your perspective on these two other freshmen who who sometimes kind of get pushed aside a little bit but are going to be really key pieces for this team when the tournament rolls around. First of all, just to address the Anton piece, I think he's going to figure it out. He's yeah, old enough he at this did. point. He's going to figure it out. So mm -hmm. I'm not super concerned about that. Um, yeah. You know, one of the before the Baylor game last year, I was I was having lunch with someone before the game, and mm -hmm. I was like, I don't think they're going to win tonight. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I said I didn't think they were going to win is because they basically didn't have a bench against mm -hmm. UCLA. Yeah, they didn't. They really didn't have that much of a bench the entire tournament. Mm -hmm. And I was like, they just they're they just poured all their effort into this UCLA game and yeah. how in the world are they going to come out and keep up with Baylor? I just, I don't know. I'm a little concerned. Yeah. And Ooh, I think I, I uh, should have been a lot of concerned apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's where my, uh, my biggest issues come in is it's like, look, this works for now, but it doesn't work once you get to, the hard part of March. Yeah. Um, you know, you can get through the first probably three games and be okay with that, but that's not mm -hmm. gonna work. Yeah. Once you get if you get to a final four, you need to have contributions from mm -hmm. people on the bench. And uh I mean I will say Hunter seems to be figuring it out a little bit more right now. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I mean it's not like he's contributing a ton. But mm -hmm. when he's out there, I don't feel like he's a liability. No. Um, I don't feel like Nolan's really a liability either. I just feel like he hasn't been shining in the way that we're used to seeing him shine. Mm -hmm. um, and I hope that he, you know, I, I'm really hopeful that, you know, one of the things that this WCC season does provide is a break. Um, they get a break this week and then they get a nice break the next week. So I'm hoping that that kind of helps these guys get their legs underneath them a little bit more, restore mm -hmm. their confidence a little bit. And, you know, they're able to use those games in, in Vegas, um, to, to help them out. So I will say that is one of the nice things about how the WCC plays their season is that I think this is a really good opportunity for them yeah. to get better and not have to worry about playing somebody else or doing a game plan or anything like that. All they mm -hmm. have to worry about is getting better themselves. So I really hope it happens because we cannot have the six man rotation that this team had last year. It's just, it's not tenable. It's not going to work. Absolutely. So, I think there's been some, 
some criticism of the coaching staff for how they have really ridden the starters significantly. This was a big part of last year's team, obviously. And I don't know that we can pinpoint, you know, Corey Kispert's struggles uh, throughout a large chunk of the tournament and, and Drew Timmy's struggles specifically against Baylor to fatigue necessarily. I don't think that that is a full picture of yeah. what happened, but uh, it's entirely possible. It's uh, part of it. <laughs> I mean, you look at the minutes that those guys played last year. I mean, it was staggering how many minutes they were playing. And, and this year at, that has been better for the most part. I think Mark Few has been more willing to, to play, uh, to, to bring in guys earlier in blowout games in particular, and also to not ride the starters as much in the closer games. But we saw these last three WCC games were all fairly close ones. And, Hunter Salas was playing less than 10 minutes per game. Nolan Hickman was playing barely 10 minutes per game. And it is just, I don't know if you can say that it's a coaching issue if they need to play these guys in order to win the games. Like it's, you obviously need to win, you know, focus on the game in front of you. But I do wonder if there is some potential to, to try to figure out a way to get these guys some more action during the season so that they're a bit more prepared when they have to come into games, you know, final four games in March, because if we don't have a bench for these last couple of games of the of the season, it, it could have a similar result to last year. I hope not, but it's hard not to think that, that you know, that a similar result could happen. I also think that losing Caden was a bigger deal than a lot of people realize. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he was, they kind of had a nine man rotation with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, he was really starting to make some progress and make, yeah. make a dent. And I think he would have really, um, I think he would have only gotten better as the season would have progressed. So that's just, I, I I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sad about that because it was fun watching to play. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's another thing that, you know, we can, we can this bench and I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Dominic Harris. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if the staff is going to be willing to bring him back for, you know, mm -hmm. however many games he's ready to play for. Um, but mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I just think, I think the bench is pretty much set where it is right now. So therefore yeah. they, they've got to make sure that those kids, um, figure out whatever, whatever is going on. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I've, that basically that leaves them with a three-man rotation up front unless they're willing to play Ben Gregg in those moments. And and Ben Gregg has developed throughout the year, but he still uh, struggles defensively to the point where I'm not sure you'd want to put him in against some of the, the bigs that they're going to play toward the end of the end of the tournament. But I wish we could have seen some more opportunities with lineups that included Julian Strother playing the four. Uh, mm -hmm. Something that I, you know, obviously Corey spent almost all of his time at the four last year. So it's not like they're unwilling to play, play you know, players like that at that position. But now if they were to try to do it now, yeah, maybe yeah. it would work because the other team would not be expecting it at all. Maybe they've been working on it behind the scenes. I don't know. But it strikes me as something that Mark, I, I can't remember the last time Mark Few made that dramatic of a change in the NCAA tournament. So I'm kind of guessing it's not going to happen, which puts a lot more pressure on Watson. Uh, which I, like you said, I think he's up to the task to step up and, and contribute more than he has the last few games. But uh, that, that's, it's a lot of stuff on his shoulders right now. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a junior. He's mm -hmm. got to figure it out. Yeah. So. It's time to shine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Brenna, I want to talk about Chet Holmgren because uh, who doesn't want to talk about Chet Holmgren? Uh, number one recruit, uh, potential number one pick in the draft, extraordinarily exciting athlete. Uh, you have shared a story that I've seen a handful of other times shared about how Chet uh, likes to share the wealth uh, with his post-game or halftime interviews. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what he likes to do uh, in those instances, yeah. because I think it says a lot about who he is as a person. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I got this because I was I, I was listening to another podcast. So that's how mm-hmm. I kind of learned that this happened the first time. And then I saw yeah. it happen a second time. Um, mm-hmm. So the the sideline pass brought podcast, I believe that's what it's called with Molly McGrath and Chris yeah. Button. Obviously, Molly's been on a lot of games this year. And so the last two times that uh, Molly has interviewed Chet, he has brought another player along with him. So nice. the first time it was Julian. The second time was Rozier Bolton. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, he's just kind of trying to share the wealth in that moment and, and not just have it be him that's mm-hmm. with the sideline reporter. So, uh, he is, um, that's kind of what he's, what he's trying to do. I'll, I'll be interested to see if he keeps trying to pull that off during the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be fascinating to watch. I think for me, I, you know, one of the questions that I, I've been posed and I'm sure that other people, you know, who, who cover this team have been talked about is, you know, now that Gonzaga has had these top tier recruits, five star guys, like, are they going to continue to kind of dive into more five star caliber high schoolers, you know, obvious one and done candidate players? And for me, I don't I don't want to say that the answer is no, but I think it's very clear that Mark Few is still not going to recruit players who aren't very, very team oriented. And there are plenty of five-star caliber players out there who are team oriented. There are three of them on this current roster. Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas would not be in the roles they were in uh, if they weren't the kind of players who are willing to accept those kinds of roles. Chet Holmgren obviously is like that as well. So was Suggs uh, last season. So I, I feel like the fact that they can now bring in those caliber of players, like Hunter Salas is such a talented kid to be the fourth guard on this team. Uh, so I, I don't think that the answer to that question is, yeah, they're just going to start bringing in every single five star that they can get. And they're going to have like a Kentucky roster where all five dudes go to the NBA that next season. I doubt that's going to happen, but it's it's strikes me as so powerful that the staff can still be so intentional about finding guys who fit that mold and who are willing. You know, not a lot of first overall guys like Chet would be willing to to be for large chunks of the season, the second best big man on your team. Like that is, that is a wild thing to be willing to accept to score two points against Texas in your second career game, uh, but only care that we won. That's what matters. And I think that's such a cool thing about him, about Jalen last year, about Hunter and Nolan and about just the staff in general and how they kind of value that so tremendously when looking for talented kids. Yeah. I, I mean, that's uh they're picky. Uh, which, you know, I know a lot of people are concerned about this year's recruiting class and and that makes Mm -hmm. total sense, but I'm sure that's part of it. I'm sure that there was some pickiness going on there and they just decided, Mm -hmm. I forget who it was, but there was a kid who had them in like his top five or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was like, we're not recruiting that kid. Like, (laughs) so, uh, so yeah, that's, um, it's, it's been really, that, that's one of the things I think that, that, is really trying hard to be a stickler on is is making mm-hmm. sure that the culture of the program doesn't get away with him as they continue to level up. In yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to talk about the women's team, their path to the through the WCC tournament, and what that could look like, and of course, their path to the NCAA tournament as well. Before we get there, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, Run Your Pool. March Madness is only two weeks away. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual or are you going for the best? We've done our homework here at Locked On and we're running brackets with runyourpool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. They have options to edit scoring and they offer more intel to make your picks. 
all stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. If you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain customers. Plus, they offer full customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you'll ever find. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing you there. Today's episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endear often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, segment three. Still Andy Patton, still joins today by KREM's Brenna Green. Brenna, I want to talk about the Gonzaga women's basketball team. The women's team, according to the latest bracketology at ESPN, is right there among the last four teams set to make the tournament. They're right on the edge uh, we are obviously hoping that they make things a lot easier by winning the WCC tournament, defeating BYU, something that has escaped them so far this season. Uh, do you think that that's what they need to do to get a spot in the tournament, or is there a chance that they can still make it even if they don't win the tournament outright? Uh, I, I I don't think they're going to win the tournament outright. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. Play this in eternity if uh, if if I'm wrong. I will happily I will yeah. happily hear my voice say that. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. The the first thing you have to remember about BYU is that all their girls they weren't supposed to have this many returners this year, but they all came back because of their extra mm-hmm. COVID year. So this is a team that Gonzaga even was was not supposed to be playing whatsoever. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. nobody came. I guess Sierra Walker came back. Yeah. Um, for her extra COVID year, and I, I guess you could mm-hmm. say that he came back too. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you lose the work twins, you lose Jill Townsend. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think though that these projections have Gonzaga in only if they beat BYU, because yeah. uh, that that just wouldn't make a lot of sense uh, with how these two games have gone so far um, mm-hmm. for them to be like, well, they're in if they beat BYU, because it just they haven't been as close as what they should be Um, or not. Maybe not. I shouldn't say what they should be. They just haven't been that close. Um, I mean, you know, the, the, the first BYU game, Gonzaga, Gonzaga came out and then just, I, I, it was, it was weird. It was like, Whoa, what happened to the team for the first half? Um, And then obviously the second game, they barely scored any points between the second and third quarters. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I think that they're fine if they lose to BYU. I do. 
uh, they just can't lose to a team like a Portland, like they did a few years ago. That yeah. that cannot happen. Yeah. I, you, tremendous uh, credit to Coach Fortier and obviously in this staff. I mean, we're talking about a team that lost, like you said, the Worth Twins. Uh, so much talent from last year's roster is gone, and they still come out. They go 24-6 and six this year, 0-4 uh, against ranked teams, which hurts. Obviously, you want to be able to find a way to beat some of those top-tier programs, but still, obviously, 24-2 and two in the rest of the games that they have played. Uh, really tremendous accomplishment for this team. It feels kind of like this team is in a spot somewhat similar to like earlier teams in Mark Few's tenure, where as a, as a mid-major program, they obviously have respect and are considered, you know, obviously they, they have a chance to get an at-large bid from the WCC, which is, is a, obviously a challenging accomplishment. It's something that a lot of men's teams have been striving for for a long time, and I don't think has happened all of that often on the women's side as well. But it feels like they have to be really close to perfect. And, and I don't know if you, you know, see something like that changing, if there is more movement for more mid-major programs to get some uh, – kind of respect and success on the women's side as well, or if it's kind of a sport similar to the men's side where it's just dominated up at the top. Yeah. That's just what it is at the, at the yeah. women's level. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just point blank what it is. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's even more dominated by power five teams than the men's side yeah. is, uh, you know, thankfully for Gonzaga, they have, you know, been in the tournament enough where they have, they have that Gonzaga name attached to them and that clout and certainly doesn't hurt them in this situation. Um, Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's nice for them, but um, the women's game still just has, it's, it's not, it's not as much like the men's game where there can be Mm -hmm. a Cinderella. Now there have been, but it's not as commonplace in the women's tournament Mm -hmm. as it is the men's and I, I think that probably demonstrates what I'm trying to say. I would I would like to see that change. I mean obviously yeah, you know absolutely. for a long time UConn was just the like the 12 best recruits every year basically went to UConn. Like it was not quite that extreme but pretty close to that extreme yeah. for a yeah. while. It seemed to spread out a little bit since then but certainly not at the level uh, that we've seen, you know, obviously we talk about multiple 11 seeds making deep runs on the men's side for, you know, seemingly every single year, Oregon State making a deep run last year. Uh, you know, it, it would be nice to see that happen on the women's side. Hopefully those are the things that are maybe starting starting to shift a little bit on that side. Uh, obviously Gonzaga uh, is not a Cinderella as much as, <laughs> as much as they have been in the past. They've made multiple runs in the NCAA tournament in the last couple of years, a lot of really talented players. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts on this year's team for people who maybe haven't tuned in all that much to this year's team who are hopefully going to watch them in the WCC mm-hmm. tournament. Uh, maybe if you can give a little primer on, on some of the key players to be watching for this year and kind of who helps make this team win basketball games. She's not going to start, but my favorite player is Yvonne Ejim, and it's not even close. Um, <laughs> I love watching her play basketball. Yeah. It is a revelation. It is so much yeah. fun. Um, I would be absolutely stunned if she doesn't win WSU, or sorry, not WSU, if she doesn't <laughs> win WCC Sixth mm-hmm. Player of the Year. Uh, yeah. She has been dominant. She has played. She's p- played more off the bench than uh, than the person she comes in for, who's starting. Mm-hmm. So uh, that 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 gives you kind of a primer on her. Uh, she's mm-hmm. she's a lot of fun, and she's going to be a star next year for this team. Yeah. Um, Melody Kempton, uh, obviously, that's kind of their their leader. Uh, mm-hmm. She is um, a Post Falls native, and uh, she had that uh, buzzer beater to beat San Francisco. 
um, down in San Francisco. So um, she's, I, I've, I've been here for like almost her whole career. So it's been fun to watch her pr- progress yeah. and watch her gain confidence because, um, you know, when you first watched her, it was a little like, it's just, things just weren't quite balancing right, it felt yeah. like. And yeah. uh, and now she definitely has that stride. Um, let's see, obviously Sierra Walker is their sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is, you know, she had eight threes this past weekend. So definitely somebody who can, who can go off if she wants to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, I mean, obviously you have the Trong twins as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think what Abby's their other starter, I believe. Yeah. Um, Abby O'Connor, who, uh, played a little bit last year, but has obviously played more this year. Sorry if she isn't. I think I'm right there, but I don't know. Sorry. I think so. That sounds yeah. right. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, so it the, those are kind of, you know, your key players to watch. But um, Yvonne, Yvonne is Yvonne's mm-hmm. my favorite to watch. Just, just I got a soft spot for, for, for watching her play the game of basketball. Yeah, no, she the first game that I watched was one of the Stanford games. And she, yeah, immediately caught my eye. She's really, really fun to watch. Uh, Brenna, last thing I want to talk to you about before I let you go, uh, Coach Fortier, we kind of touched on her a little bit earlier, just won her 200th game as Gonzaga's coach, a pretty nice accomplishment for her. I, I can't imagine how, I mean, how fortunate this program is to, you know, obviously to lose a coach like Kelly Graves, who was an icon, an institution, had done such good good work with this program, helped develop, you know, obviously superstars like Courtney Vandersloot. Uh, but then the, the Zags just kind of keep cruising along with, with bringing in Lisa Fortier. And it seems like she's just had such an incredible positive impact on this program since taking over. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of continuity in this program. I mean, Lisa mm-hmm. obviously came from Kelly's staff. Yeah. So it's been a really smooth transition uh, mm-hmm. for, um, for this for this program mm-hmm. they you know haven't I, I think the last time they missed the tournament was like 2016 right, yeah. area mm-hmm. um so it's been a while uh mm-hmm. and i mean before that they hadn't missed the tournament in a few years either so um mm-hmm. you know this is this is a program that is established mm-hmm. that is uh definitely um one of the top programs on the west coast And, uh, you know, they, their next big thing is they have got to get to a second weekend. Yeah. Uh, that, that is what apps it's, it's, it's not going to happen this year. Mm -hmm. Um, but that is something that needs to happen for this program. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously last year was a bit of a letdown. I don't count 2019, because yeah. uh, they lost Laura Stockton and Jill Townsend at the same game. Uh, so I just, I can't hold that season against them. Just what an awful situation that was. Yeah. One of the worst games I've ever attended. It was just, oh. it was carnage out there on the court. Um, and so, and two very intense injuries. It wasn't like, oh, I sprained an ankle. It was like, oh no, I broke my leg and I tore my ACL. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. obviously 2020, um, they had a solid team that year as well. And then the, the mm-hmm. tournament doesn't go their way. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they don't have the tournament. I shouldn't say they don't, do right. they don't have the tournament. Uh, so, you know, that, that's the next thing they've, they've done it once before under 48. Um, but they really, that season, they should have gone to an elite eight. They should have beat Tennessee in the sweet 16 that year. That was what, 2015, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they like, yeah, they should have 
sure was. So, um, yeah, that's that's the next. They they need to get to a second weekend in, in a mm-hmm. tournament again, and then that's that's a, a you know if I were in that program, that would be my my big goal right now. Yeah. Well, lots of Gonzaga basketball to watch uh, this week, later this week, and then obviously early next week when the men's team plays their their couple of games in Vegas. Um, Brenna, I know you're going to be there and you're going to be covering it. Uh, do you want to let people know where they can find you on social media, where they can find your work and everything that you're doing right now? Because I know you're at a busy, pretty busy time of the year. Yeah, uh, at Brenna Green underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. I might get real wild and try to set up TikTok during this tournament run. We'll see though. I'm not, I, I've, I've pondered it. I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing to make that sort of commitment right now, but, uh, but I don't know. We'll see what so happens. Not quite a big reveal of Brenna Green starting a TikTok account. Not quite committing to it yet, but it has been spoken out into the lithosphere. So we'll maybe see. I'm saying this to put pressure on myself to do it. So. <laughs> now you at least know where you announced it. If it does, if it does become something you end up doing. Yeah, totally. All right, Brad. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we got a lot more really fun stuff coming out this week. A couple more guests coming on the show before we get into the games next week. Uh, right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Also on Twitter at Locked On Zags. You can find me on Twitter at ScoreZagScore. I want to thank all of you again for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Now you can make your second listen of the day, the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.